man, this is Chunky Jeff. I'm sitting here drinking nice house heads, laying in a nice motel warm bed right now. Drinking the ice house heads beer, smoking a Paul Mall cigarette, and was watching America's Idol. But anyways, they kept on texting me, and they kept bringing me back in on Twitter, and now I'm motherfucking back here, man, and I'm getting drunk, and I'm about to go on tour, and I'm about to become a big motherfucking star like they do on fucking American Idol. But I'm going to start becoming making mass money, man, and getting the hell out of Cincinnati. You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rock. to the beat, coming at you with the funny, random rambling, talking about all the things that'll make that rain day sunny, yeah, it's hot and popping, fireball dropping, come get your laugh on, yeah, it's a concept, you know he be rocking, robbing the facts and all of the guys submit, don't matter where you are or who you with, you got it too right in, bring your girl into your girl to bring your friends, be Robbie Lid, tune in in your crib, in your whip, at your job, he got new shows every Sunday, here we go, what up everybody, this your boy B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Randoms with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. You, I don't know, you may listen to it with your roommate. Um, I don't know. I mean, with the way we are techn- technologically, uh, you may not have a roommate. You may have a friend that's on the internet that you may have never met in real life. And I don't know. I mean, You can just have a couple of random chatterings here and there and everything. And um, I don't know. They might just show up just in time for whatever. But in any case, if you're a new listener, you probably didn't catch none of that shit I just said. But it will all be revealed in due time. Um, This week, I have another stupendous guest. And um, I'm going to give him a proper introduction. Hailing from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, he is the man, the myth, the legend, Bobby Del Rio. Uh-huh. All right, that was that was enough. Of that that's I had that in my mind all day. <laughs> that was pretty epic. I gotta give you props on that shit. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I I know with the name Bobby Del Rio, you probably heard it from somebody somewhere on the internet that there's a wrestling name Alberto Del Rio, right? Yeah, I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear that a lot. And then what I tell them is that um, I actually went to the prom with Gail Kim, who was in the WWE. Oh, yes. I, I do remember hearing that story. Um, but, like, we, like, we were friends. We were, like, half dates. Like, we both had had nasty breakups, and then we just kind of went as friends. But then it was so crazy. Like, five years later, I think she won the belt. And she was, like, the champion of the WWE. And I was like, what? He's like, I went to, I went out with her once. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we were good friends. Like, I, um, you know, we still stay in touch every, every now and then. Like, she was last in Toronto. She was doing this movie a couple years back and then i um i helped give her some like acting coaching and stuff like that i, th- I don't know if it was uh, um I, I remember a movie with her in it and she was like an alter ego of this guy or whatever she was doing like martial arts and all kind of crazy shit yeah i don't know i can't really keep track of she does a lot of stuff man i mean th- i mean look 
she's been hot ever since high school, right? So, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, she just had one of those lives. Like, I remember I first knew her because I had a, a crush on her friend. And then I kept hearing how she would get, like, free baseball tickets to go to the Blue Jays games. And she was, like, 14. And then, I don't know, since then, it was just, like, she was always, like, her and celebrities were just always kind of like in the same world and then she became one and I was like well that makes sense sounded like it was mapped out from the beginning yeah I remember um, I guess I could say it I mean it was a long time ago but I remember once she let me listen to a voicemail no I can't say the name I want to say the name but you don't know where these things end up yeah my friend so okay so there was like an A-list movie star who was in town I really want to say the name but I'm not going to do it. Well, got to get out of that habit. But super famous. And she like let me listen to his voicemail. And I was like, what? And she was like 17 or something. And this like super famous. And it was like his voice is so distinctive. I was like, oh my God, that's totally him. And he's like, yo, I'm at the KFC. <laughs> Come meet me or something. And I was like, what the fuck? All right, chicken, distinctive voice. Was it Morgan Freeman? It was it was not Morgan Freeman. That would really disgusting. <laughs> but wouldn't shock me either. I mean, Gail just had one of those lives, you know, like. And you know, I always I was like always into like acting, and so we kind of had that kind of in common, I guess. Like this fascination with them, um, you know, media, you know, attention, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's a good jumping off point. Um, when did you get hit with the acting bug? Um, I mean, maybe uh, in the placenta, <laughs> because I just don't remember a time when I wasn't acting, like, not necessarily professionally, but I mean, my earliest memories of school, I mean, six years old, I remember being the lead in plays. Okay. So it was just kind of the thing that I did. Like, it was never really a precious thing. I don't even think it was really a dream, to be honest. It was just kind of like... Something you that did. was just who I was, you know. Yeah, I can remember. I, my earliest memory was um, preschool graduation, and they had me do the opening prayer because I mean that's what we do in the South. So I got to lead everybody in prayer, and then we had a little play thing, and everybody had a letter of the alphabet, and I was Z. I was the last letter of the alphabet. And my, uh, and my line was Z zooms to Zanzibar. <laughs> and, that's crazy because Zanzibar is actually a pretty famous strip joint in Toronto. What? See, <laughs> I don't think I don't leave nothing to chance. I think this was meant to be. We were meant to talk to each other. <laughs> Come down to Toronto. Let's go to the Rippers, man. Yeah, well, I, I, that's a dream. I don't know about Toronto specifically. I mean, if I'm in that area, that's where I would go. But I want to go to Canada. Sounds like a wonderful place. I know a lot of people up there, too. Yeah, I think I think Toronto is a little bit different from um, a lot of other cities in Canada. But Toronto is very similar to a lot of American cities. I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, like it's obviously a lot smaller than New York, but it's kind of like chicago it has the it's kind of like the same vibe as kind of like a chicago new york now i'm gonna show my ignorance toronto is on the west side over by seattle and all that shit right 
No, no, no. We're uh, we're very much East Coast. All right. Yeah. See, like I said, there I go showing my ignorance again. <laughs> yeah, we're like you know where Buffalo is. Yes. We're like across the lake from Buffalo. Oh, okay. Yeah, like you drive to Buffalo, and I think it's like an hour or something like that. Okay. That's what's up. Like you born raised there. You there right now, ain't you? Yeah, I'm here right now. But I, I do work all over the world, so it's funny because. I've been, I have a 20-year professional career now. Yes, you do. All here, but like my work goes around the world as an actor, but even now all these podcasts, you know, I probably I don't even know how many I've done now. Maybe 30, 40 yeah. in the last 6 months a year, all, almost all of which are in the United States. And I think the only ones that I've seen listed today was um I think 8 that I saw. And that's just typing in your name because, you know, everybody don't put people name in the show description. So there's probably many, many more. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's got to be at least 30. That's just that I can remember. That's why we were having that little convo and I was like, did yeah. I do your podcast before? Because some of them have similar names, right? So you're just like. Yeah, well, that's what I was um kind of getting at. I first came across you on the Just In Time podcast. And it was uh, you and the girls from my roommates and escort. Oh, wow. Dude, that's like, well, I think that was my first podcast yep. with PD Beats. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, that's where I met PD Beats is on that because I obviously I was on that show. I was the male lead in that show. And then he put us all on it. And then I was like, who's PD Beats? Yeah, exactly. Same question. Who's <laughs> <laughs> this guy? And then, um, and then the bromance begun, and then he's rep me as my my personal publicist for about a year. And I just love the guy, man. He's just like, he's like so smart, but he also like cares so much. Yeah, he does. And he works his ass off, man. And you just don't get that. Yeah, he, it's is a, a tough commodity to come by. That makes me feel good, man. That's that's like a blast from the past. I remember that. That that's like kind of when the whole podcast thing begun. Yeah, and then um, I think later on I came across your name again on um Arlisle's podcast, which is Random Chatterings. Right, right. And then right. also, uh, you know, I know I know you famously from being in the web series My Roommate's Escort, the longest tattoo session I ever seen on screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that and that shit took a long time in makeup, man, to put that on. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can give spoilers now, but yeah. whatever. Like this big tattoo that I have on my my back for the show, and we shot that in like mid November or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna have to teach you a little bit about Toronto. <laughs> yes, you thought we were up by Seattle, so I was like, okay, okay. I don't know why I thought that because we need like, to talk, I, brother. We need to talk. Yeah, I always wanted to go to Seattle, and I know that I can get to Canada close to there, but I didn't know what part of Canada I was going to end up in if I just went straight up. So I automatically right. assumed it was Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, you're you're up in Houston. Is that where you're at? Yes, sir. I don't even know where the hell that is. <laughs> hey, so we're even. We're square. <laughs> no, I, I know it's somewhere like that south way. or something. Well, everybody's south of you, so. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really, you know, anyway. Um, what was I saying? Okay, yeah, so it was like so cold when we shot all my stuff because all my stuff pretty much takes place in this tattoo parlor. With your shirt off. <laughs> right. Um, but it was so cold. And obviously my shirt's got to be off because they're putting this tattoo on my back. 
And so, it, and it took like two, three hours. And I swear to God, my nipples were so hard they could cut glass. <laughs> At least the tattoo has got to have a beanie on and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It was like, it was pretty, pretty cool. Not to complain because I love doing it. I, I love Katie and Trish. And I'm in their new show, Canadian Actors, it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so dope. Uh, and they're so talented. They've optioned something like three different shows to three different like networks and companies. So like the the TV rights for my roommates and escort have been optioned to Fox. Sweet. Um, for potential adaptation, um, but I guess we're going to shoot this this show, Canadian actors. I don't know, soonish. I think they're talking about this summer or something like that. Because um, you know when you you I mean I haven't. I, I'd sold the web series to television, um, but I've never had like a like a full on like half hour, one hour show. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, that shit takes long. Can I swear? Is that am you I can say that? all the words that you want, sir? That shit takes so long to get made, and I I don't know if that's just like a Canadian thing. I, I feel like it's not. Um, <laughs> I hear a lot about like comedians who go into development in the U.S. and they're just in development for years. Yeah. Um, but it takes a long time, right? So I think Katie and Trish just want to bang out another show. Like, um, I th- like the original idea is a web series, mm-hmm. but I know that they're they're also having meetings with with big television broadcasters up here. So you never know what can go, but people love it so much that. We're going to make that, and then hopefully some of their other shows can hit, too. And and these, I just love those girls so much, you know, and they're so talented, and they're going to hit, like, in a major way. Yeah, and I owe them a barbecue. <laughs> you owe them a barbecue? Yeah, um, they were on my show, um, you know, around the time the show was getting ready to premiere on uh, YouTube and everything, and yeah, I had them no. on, and um, they was talking about having a barbecue, and that's like, well, if you ever come to Texas... You can stay at the house and I'll make you some barbecue. <laughs> that sounds like Katie and Trish. <laughs> and they'll come knocking on your door. I'm, I'm going to hold them to it. <laughs> uh, you know what I love about them, too, is that, um, look, they're, I mean, we're really good friends and they're super pretty and stuff. I, I only bring that up because it's very rare. And maybe this is an unpopular thing to say, but I do find often with attractive women in this industry, they're so often choosing my words very carefully i don't want to say fake because that's yeah. maybe unfair but there's like a wall because they just get hit on like 24 7 yeah right? i can understand that and katie and trish do get hit on 24 7 mm-hmm. but they remain so open like there's no wall these these women are so genuine like all the time like i know them on screen off screen we're just friends outside of the industry you know what i mean yeah, and they're just always them. They're I never. They're not fake. Now, you just don't get that. Yeah. Now, now, um, being how busy of a man you are, I heard you kind of jokingly uh, gave an answer on um, what's that Sunday Awesomeness podcast or whatever. Um, yeah. You don't have too much time off, and um, I appreciate you spending whatever little time that you have with me. But like, what is a day in the life of a uh, Bobby Del Rio? Um, I've been asked that before, and I always have a terrible answer. 
because every day is different. Mm. You know, it really is like that's part of the reason I really like the industry is that crazy shit happens in this industry. You know, like I'd like to say a typical day is, oh, you know, I hit up the gym and maybe have an audition. I go to an acting class or something. But it, but to say that it really, um, it, it, it kind of misleads the listener, right? Because some of the things that like, okay, so let's say that's true. Okay, whatever. You go to the gym. That's pretty normal. You go to an audition. It could be anything from like, cool, make out with this random girl <laughs> to like, take your shirt off and dance. What? <laughs> This is all stuff that I've done to like, okay, I know it says that you're a vampire, but you're actually going to be a pirate and you're going to burn the ship. Can you now speak with a Spanish accent? Like just, (laughs) there's like, so every audition you have, you just, you're walking into a room with generally strangers. I mean, you probably, you know, probably know the casting director, casting assistants, but there's always just things that you don't know. And you're asked to do something that you've never done in your life. Yeah. It's, uh, ultimately, I and then you go to my, my acting class is crazy. I study with Robin K. Polarski here in Toronto. Yeah. What's that? No, I was just saying, like, ultimately, um, it's a test of your versatility. You know, they just want to see what you can do on the fly and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, same, man. Being an actor is such a trick. And my, my acting teacher, Robin K. Polarski, he teaches Miser, and, and the shit that happens in that class, I mean, in any given moment, you could be in love with somebody, you could want to punch somebody in the face, like, things get smashed, people cry for, like, half an hour straight. I mean, it's just, why, like, I'll talk to my friends who are not in the industry about, like, I'm answering that question, how was your day? And it's like, uh, oh, I cried for 15 minutes. And then sang a song, <laughs> and then strip naked. Shit. <laughs> well, what, what, what's and that the, was before noon, you know. Like, <laughs> what was the most awkward thing you had to do for an audition? There was one time I walk into this room, and they don't say anything to me, and they just start playing music and they just stare at me in this kind of creepy way and they just go dance (laughs) did they also tell you to put the lotion on your skin we don't need to talk about that man (laughs) (laughs) that's between me and them (laughs) it's fucking weird man because because like dance dance and but it wasn't like hey if you could just dance like dance and you just don't know where that shit's going to end up, right? And they fil- they film it, right? Yeah. And you're like, do they want a sexy dance? Do they want a funny dance? Are they, like, watching my crotch while I dance? Because <laughs> you don't know. Are they even filming it? Do they Are they just trying to get off in the power of... You know, that's why all this Harvey Weinstein shit, man. I mean, and I, I heard about this guy, I, to be honest, like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. About the stuff that he was doing. Not that I had, you know, any power in the industry to do anything about it. But I definitely, I've been hearing these rumors for a really long time. And some of these people, and maybe some of them are listening now, but I could give a fuck. Some of these people 
who have power over actors. Not all. Some are amazing. Some are pathological. It's it's just about power. It's about like getting off on making people do whatever you want. And I don't understand that, man. It's just it's fucking weird. Honestly, I'm just I mean, it's not maybe it's not a popular thing to say, but I'm I'm honestly just like lucky in a way that I'm not a woman in yeah. this industry because like I'm a man and I'm strong and I, it's okay for me to fight. So, you know, you pull that shit on me, Harvey, I'm going to break a dick off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm going to feed it to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, that. I don't know, you know, man. Just touching old Harvey Weinstein penis. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care if it is a fight. I don't. That's something uh, area I don't want to journey into. <laughs> it's, it's like grabbing a lightsaber, buddy. You got to do it. <laughs> now, along with being an actor, you're also a director and a writer. Um, out of all three of these things, all these uh, billets you have under your hat, there, which right. one you enjoy the most? Um, I definitely love acting the most, probably because it was always something I, I did as a child and always wanted to do. Um, but I will say I'm probably best known as a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty skilled at it. I'm the, I've gotten definitely the most acclaim. Although I've been pretty acclaimed as an actor, but as a writer, I, um, I don't know. I was somewhat of a prodigy. So I was winning um, playwriting awards when I attended the University of Toronto. Um, and then I was getting so much press. I actually had a, a documentary done about me that aired on Bravo up here in Canada across the country uh, before I had graduated from university. That's as mentioned on um, Random Chatterings. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you know it's true. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I mean, that's kind of trippy, right? Like literally they were calling me the rising star of Toronto theater while I was still in school, which just doesn't happen. And, you know, I don't know, did I deserve it or did I, whatever, right? Like it's hard to know, right? Um, yeah. what do these things mean or did I just get lucky or I, I obviously had talent, but the kind of press that I was getting so young, um, now did that make you put pressure on yourself? I mean, it didn't, it didn't, because I just never, to be honest, I never wanted to be a writer. Mm. So it was, you know, it was kind of like, I mean, I guess it was a bit of pressure because I was like, oh shit, like, like literally got to the point where anything I did in terms of the industry, like my new script, my new project, my new, whatever the fuck it was, like newspapers would be writing about it. Um, now it's not like, it's, we don't like TMZ up here in Canada or anything, but but still, like I was like in my early twenties, I was like twenty two or something like that. So, you know, it kind of fucks you up a little bit. You're like, whoa! So, like anything I do, you're just gonna like write about. Like it's like you're no longer just like a like a person. Like you kind of become a thing. Yeah. Right. Like I remember, I even had family members um, after like my career was really starting to blow up. Really early on, I literally I was just starting my career. I mean, technically, I was still in training to to be a professional when all this stuff was happening, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember uh, there was like a Christmas when these things were happening, and then I had the presence, and I'm not going to say which family members, just in case they're listening, <laughs> but 
but they they addressed it to Bobby Del Rio from so and so and so and so. Whereas I'm always Bob, I'm Bobby, right? My, my brother also was in the industry, yeah. Tony, and he was a child star and blah blah blah. And and all of a sudden it was like like I was like like a thing to my family. That's kind you know of what I mean? Up. I wasn't just Bobby. I was Bobby Del Rio. There's a difference. Now, um, being, you know, with that happening and everything, you know, people that have been around you all your life, people that, you know, raised you and everything, I mean, what does that do to you mentally? Um, I've never actually talked about this. What does it do to me mentally? I mean, it, it's, it creates like a, a distrust, right? Um, it's so I've worked with a lot of actors, obviously in a twenty-year career, and I've directed some and acted some and written for some and blah 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 blah. And it's very very interesting. I've worked with a number of people who were child stars and then grew up to be adults. Yeah. Some of whom have gone on to have really great careers, and some of whom have left the industry. But I would say, like a hundred percent is probably too high, but it feels like a hundred percent of like child stars. There's a reason that it's a cliche that they get fucked up because you're not treated like like a kid. Like you're treated like like a commodity. Yeah. And it kind of warps your sense of self. Um especially if it's like people who are supposed to just kind of like love you. But then like in my case, it's not like I was making so much money, but I was getting a lot of attention. Yeah. But some of these some of these kids are like bankrolling their parents' lives. Yeah, I mean, I I knew I knew a chick and she was like, oh, she was famous, but she made a lot of dough when she was a kid. And she told me like, her parents took all the money and like just bought a cottage and went on vacations and just they just spent all her money. Yeah, that's and, pretty shit. You know, <laughs> and she remembers her whole childhood just being on set. Working, working, working. How parents spent her money. Yeah, this should be like stuff in place for that. I'm pretty sure there is that I don't know about, but mm. yeah, there there is. But then, how do you like? How do you really regulate some shit like well, that? That's you know? it. You know, like all this stuff. So right now, the the biggest thing in the industry, and you know, rightly so, is the idea of basically trying to keep the industry safe for women. Yeah. From a sexual harassment standpoint, and actually, ACTRA is the, the union for film and television actors up here in Canada. And the, the main legal counsel who's been tasked with helping to create some of these standards is a good friend of mine named Victoria Shen, who I've, I've known for like 20 years. And she's she's great, quality woman, really smart. She's perfect person for that job. But I also, and I kind of, so I went to the Actor Awards, which are, you know, kind of like the SAG Awards, but for Canada. Mm -hmm. And I I ran into Victoria, maybe this was three weeks ago or something like that. And we talked about it. And I was like, but how do you actually, how can you actually regulate that? Because there's just so many times where people are off the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it's almost in a sense like child support or whatever. You know, parent get put on child support. They pay the other parent the money to take care of the kid or whatever. But the 
other parent that's getting the money is doing other shit, you know, buying clothes and shoes for them and paying the right. car note and all the other crap. Right. And, you know, in the industry, I mean, it's not that women don't get harassed on set. Like, they do, but it's pretty rare for something like that. To, like, if that does happen, you can easily report it. There's a process in place and you can't, you know. But that's not where most of the the bad shit goes down. Right? The bad shit goes down at the at the bar. Yeah. Right? Or between jobs, I think a lot of exploitation happens. I have a lot of, you know, very attractive female friends in the industry. And I keep things very professional, like, all the time. But they'll tell me, like, I'll bring them to parties. And they told me, you know... I thought I was introducing them to directors for business and then they told me they fully were hitting on them and they kept bombarding them and let's go for coffee or soliciting them for sex and stuff. Like, yeah. like it's a real problem and it's been a problem for a long time and I just don't see, like, how do you change that? I, I don't really know. Mm, it's just, I mean, I don't know. We got to figure out some kind of safeguards and then a lot of the times too is just, I don't know, it's just people feel really feel like the damn if they don't do this certain thing that somebody else says is really gonna fuck their life over for the worse you know right it fucking sucks it's a vicious cycle but anyway as far as writing goes and everything like how do you prepare what, what what's your mindset going into something when you, an idea comes to you and do you just sit down and you get in front of your typewriter like murder she wrote and it just start coming to your fingers and you type it down or do you have a process? You light some candles, you do some ohm, some meditation and then you, you get into I'm, it. I'm going to give you a shitty answer, brother. <laughs> you ready for this? I'm ready. This is the same answer. So when I was 24, uh, I won a, a North American playwriting competition in New York City. So I submitted some plays that I had written, and they picked me over some prominent American writer, apparently. And then, um, so it was on 42nd Street, and it was at the, the theater's gone now. It was called the John Houseman Theater. And, you know, I went, there was like, I don't know, it was like pretty much sold out. It was like hundreds of people there. It was, it was a pretty cool experience, especially so young, right? Yeah. And someone, and then obviously the same question comes up, right? Especially, you know, your playwright, a writer, all the success, whatever. And people are like, oh, what's your process? And I pretty much have the same answer that my process is really shit. Like, I really just, I sit down and I just write it and I'm like super fast. I don't really think about it. And it just always turns out awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, and it's hard to say that without coming across as a dick, but it's like, I don't have a process and like, I'm so fast. I just go, oh, you know, it would be cool. And I just write it and then I'll just do it. And then everyone's like, that was awesome. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see, that, see that, that's a good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I like I was actually talking to somebody about this today, but I believe that you know, and I don't know. I may like I might be the fastest writer in the world who works professionally. <laughs> if I'm not the fastest, I'm definitely irrefutably in the top one percent in the industry. Oh, okay. For sure. And I get a lot of work because of that. Like, I can write a feature film, a screenplay from scratch in 24 hours. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's put it to the test. We're going to game plan right now. You ready? I could. You got your It's pick. funny. Like, I've said this. Like, I could. Film me. I'll start from scratch. I'll write something new. And I'll, I'll pump out an amazing draft in less than a day. Okay. Well, and other people do it. But I do it so consistently and so well that, like... 
Well, th- this is what we're going to do right now. I got an original idea. Uh, th- th- this is the backstory on it. My wife right. is a writer. She okay. does poetry. She um, self-published a book that got picked up by a small publishing company called uh, Dark Deception, Beginning of the End. It's uh, authored by Jay Robinson. All right, cool. So my wife inspires me to do a lot of things. None that I'm probably not so much good at, but at least I make I, I give it the good old college try or whatever, even though I've never been to college. So she wrote a book and I was so in awe of her writing this book and self-publishing it and everything that like, I mean, she got the know-how, so I'm always pitching ideas to her. So I was like, hey, right, right. You, should, you should write about this. And I was like, yeah, now you should write about this. And she's like, right. one day she was just like, why don't you do it? Why don't you just write it? Right. And I was like, well, fuck it. I I, I'm, I will now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. so I sit down in front of the computer and I start typing, trying to come up with character names and everything. And now I'm kind of screwing myself because I'm putting this out there to the world because they're going to hear me say the shit that I actually started on this. And now they're going to kind of hold me accountable. So I'm fucking myself right now. Right. <laughs> so I sat down and I had an idea. Um, guy has a, um, they call it an addiction. I don't even know if you can classify it as that. He has a sex addiction, addiction or whatever. Right. You know, he's going through all these different women and everything. It's the Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Damn it. Somebody already got yeah. to it before I did. <laughs> But uh, he has a sex addiction. He's going through, he's running through all these different women and everything. And then he meet this one girl that he really likes. And she does some crazy shit with him or whatever stuff he ain't never did before. And it kind of damages in him. So he tries to move on to another woman. And, you know, he can't, you know, fulfill his urges because of what he done with the other girl. And now he's ramping it up, trying to um, make it more extreme. So he can get some, you know, kind of feeling, kind of pleasure out of it. Then eventually it evolves past sex and he's just straight up murdering motherfuckers. <laughs> this is actually um, the Je- the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Damn it. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I don't like I, I think it's a brilliant idea. You should write it you know, or maybe you have. It. But but that, I remember I watched a documentary about D- Jeffrey Dahmer recently. And that's what it was for him. It was like he always just needed a new thrill. And he would get off sexually and and he would just and that's kind of how the murdering thing came and then it it wasn't enough to murder he had to like preserve body parts and then mm. fucking put their body parts in acid and shit like he just kept escalating and escalating and escalating because that do you know what i mean it's like always a new high yeah yeah but i got like i think i got a couple thousand words on it i got some well at least two three characters built off of it but yeah, it's it's full. You wanna know why you wanna know why I can write so fast? I don't know. Tell me. I'll tell you I'll tell you a secret and I I tell people this and they don't do it and it's it's shocking. But <laughs> I don't question what I do. So most people will have an idea and they go, Oh, is this good? And then they'll write the thing and they'll think about this and oh and I and they want to get it perfect. Where I could give a fuck. Mm. Like for me, I go, Oh, what about this? And what about this? And then this and then I could oh now be cool and the and I just I just start and then I finish. And I don't know where it's going to go. Now, I, I, I make sure I go, okay, like I come up with sort of a concept. Like a title for me is big because a title has sort of the concept and the story mm-hmm. inherent in it in my mind. So once I do that, then I'm like, oh, cool, let's just go. And so basically I can finish the script 
as quickly as I can type. Okay. And I never question anything. I, and it's funny because I'm, you know, I'm pretty known for my dialogue and my jokes and all this kind of stuff. But I never think about jokes. I never think about dialogue. I literally just type. And then this could happen. Then they said, there's a, and I'm just, I'm just going from point A to point B to point C. And I just go as quickly as I can. And then I look at it after. And inevitably, just because I, I don't know if it's because I've been doing it for so long, or, or maybe I'm naturally talented, or, or maybe I get lucky. I really don't know what it is. But every time I'm done, people, I show it to people, and look, that was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. But the re- but I don't question what it is. So whatever my talent is, or people, whatever people see in me, because be honest, I don't really know what they see in me because I'm just being me. Yeah. I'm not really doing anything. I'm just typing what I think would be cool. Which so one? I just do it as quickly as I can, and then that turns out well. When you say fast, what's your word count? I have no idea. <laughs> I'll just do it. Fuck it. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I'm just saying if I started it today, tomorrow, by 1019, I'd be done. Magic. It's just what it is. You know, I could write 365 original feature screenplays every single fucking year. But the reality is it takes like five years to get one of them made. Yeah. What am I going to do with, you know, 1,500 scripts? <laughs> Too many scripts. Now we're, we're, like I have 100 right now. Well, damn, dude. And to get anything made, even a short, even a web series, anything, I mean, it's, it's just, it's so time consuming. And you've got to kiss so much ass and you get so much rejection yeah. It's a hard. It's a hard life. Have you ever come across anything like that? Something that you knew for fact that, like, in your heart of hearts, in your all deep down in your bones, that like you knew this was gold, and you know you ran it across a couple people and was like, "Yeah, this is the best thing ever." And then when you went to present it to get picked up or adapted and everything, they was like, "Fuck your couch." You ever ran across anything like that? What did you say? Fuck my couch. Yeah, fuck your couch. They was like, "No, we don't want what? that shit." <laughs> Um, oh, I never heard that expression. Start saying, Fuck your couch. <laughs> Have sex with your furniture. Wait, I think I paraphrased that. Um, sexual intercourse. Honestly, like, yeah. Have sexual intercourse with something that's inanimate, inanimate <laughs> within your house that cannot speak. Was that technically raping your couch? Okay. I'm going to use that I'd one to rape your couch. Every single script. <laughs> Don't rape your couch, rape your couch consensually. I once had a I once had a woman and the first time we slept together, she whispered in my ear, "I want you to rape me." No. And I said, "Okay, I will rape you consensually." <laughs> and I looked at that, right? right consensually. I- you are going to get raped right now <laughs> with your permission. <laughs> Shit, nowadays it'll be like, oh, you want me to rape you? All right, this is, uh, we're going to game plan it. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to pretend I'm a burglar and then I'm going to break in, I'm going to rape you. And then I'm going to go outside and I'm going to get my car, I'm going to drive the hell off. <laughs> Yo, these days I would film the whole conversation. I would have the shit, I would have the shit uploaded to YouTube so there's evidence of the consent before anything was to go down. Yeah, then you can't even trust video no more because you could have been behind the camera with a gun telling her to say this. That's that's how they're going to spin it on you, Bobby Dario. I'm telling you. Fake <laughs> <Break> news. <laughs> um, so to answer your question, every script, 
every single script that I've written, I'm pretty confident in my scripts. Like, um, and uh, honestly, like I've never had a script like that people didn't like, right? They didn't get like good reviews or, you know, like I've always had positive feedback for basically everything I've ever written. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, you know, maybe the next the hundred scripts will be pieces of shit. I mean, I really don't know, but so far it's a pretty good track record. Okay. But every single script I've written, several people have rejected. Mm-hmm. Several. Like, I don't think I've ever just written something and it was just smooth. It was like, oh, I wrote this and here it's now it's done and life is great. It's like, no, like there's always a series of hoops of people just, just telling you your shit. <laughs> Yeah, and no. I'm just like, uh, actually, no, like this is really good. Like, no, no, you're shit, <laughs> and then you just do it. Somehow you find a way to get it done, and then they're like, "Oh, it was awesome." I always knew it was awesome. We're like, no, 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 no you, you did. told me it was shit. You told me to go fuck my couch, <laughs> and I did, and I uploaded it to YouTube, and then they go fake news. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, twenty year career, you know, shopping around all these different ideas, and then everything tell me what that first major rejection was like for you um i don't even know it was a major rejection but the first rejection that i can recall having because remember like i was sort of the accidental writer Mm -hmm. which you know probably makes other writers hate me even more because i have i've been pretty successful but i i I really just like oh this might be fun i just start typing and here we go right but i remember i'd written a play which I still believe was a really, really talent. It was a really cool concept. I mean, you know, I was like twenty or something, but it was in it was in theater school, and it was like, um, I mean, this is the first attempt I had ever made to write a play, and I was like barely a teenager or something like that. I may have even been a teenager. I may have been nineteen years old, and I thought it was pretty cool. It was called In a Second, and it was it was a man and a woman who were holding each other, and in the time that they were holding each other. I have um, five vignettes that play in their head. And it was like the first time they met, first time they said, I love you, you know, the first time they decided to get married. And then I do a split screen of um, the husband thinking about how much he loves his wife and it sucks that she's working late. And then he, and then she's cheating on him. And it's perspective, and so it's basically they're both thinking the same thing in this one second, but they're seeing it from their various points of view. And those thoughts that are in their mind for that second are going to completely change the rest of their lives, right? Yeah. So that's my concept. That's my first play ever as a teenager, and that's the concept. Like, I think that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. And I remember I sent it to a friend of mine, and she like loved it. She was like, "Holy shit!" And then I got rejected from my school, and I was so mad. I was like so hurt, and I I think I was like, "I will never write another play," and all this kind of shit. Uh, but then, luckily, I decided that I would. And then the next second play that I wrote was a play called "Name It Yourself." Which was a really again another high concept play about it was it was sort of paralleling um, like the abuse in a family to the abuse that a writer has over his characters. So it was really ostensibly about power. Yeah. Um, 
And then I guess there was a newspaper that was here in Toronto, prominent arts newspaper called um, iWeekly that no longer exists, but I guess they just, they saw my press release. They thought it sounded cool. They interviewed me and then, and then I've never not been interviewed for anything I've written ever since then. So I guess since that was my first play that was produced, I've, I've actually never written a play where I didn't get interviewed. Yeah. So I've never written, I mean, I don't know, maybe it sounds dramatic or something to say like in the public eye, but I don't know what the experience is to write and not, not have that sort of media perspective, you know? Yeah. Uh, is it different for you? Like how you say you just kind of like you sit in front of your computer and just, you know, your fingers take away the job. I write on my iPhone. <laughs> I got the final draft app. Oh, man. I can't. I can't write on my phone. I, I'm. I'm figuring out that um, as I get older, my eyesight is getting blurry, so now I got to get glasses. Right. But like, as far as writing for um, plays and then you know, you know, a TV show or a web series or anything, is there any difference between that, or is it just the same thing? You just your fingers take you away when you sit in front of the computer or, or on your phone. Uh, I mean, for me, it's the same. I mean, I have a lot of experience now working in different mediums. Um, I also have like two two features uh, with a producer in Los Angeles and there was an offer made um, by a major, like one of the biggest studios in the world with an A-list movie star attached. Again, I can't say the name because I, it's, I guess it's not greenlit yet. It sounds like it's close. Black Panther um, 2. Well, <laughs> I wish. That guy's going to get paid. I love Black Panther. That was a great film. Yes. Um, so, I'm just saying whatever. Like, I have a lot of experience writing everything. So, for me, it doesn't really matter. Like, I can kind of shift seamlessly from one form to another. Um, but if you don't have experience in those forms, they are, they are different. Like, mostly in terms of formatting and structurally. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's pretty much the same shit. I mean, you know, you have a story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, and if there isn't, then you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, that's rule number one. Um but once you do know the basics, yeah, it's kind of just like, what do you want to happen? And then you just make it happen. All right. What's your genre of choice? What's, what's your favorite to write on? My favorite thing to do is to blend genres. Mm-hmm. So, so you um, got a sci-fi, cowboy, Western drama. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Like my preference is to compare is to combine like maybe four genres because I really believe everything's been done. Mm-hmm. Especially every genre has been done. So the only way to actually create something unique is to have a combination of what already exists. Yeah, so we need, we already have a com- comedy suspense. So we need a comedy suspense action drama. This is how I write, honestly. Like, I, I do that. Like, because I need to, because I've written so many scripts. And like I say, it's not too hard for me to do it. So I have to give myself new challenges. <laughs> Um, also, one thing that has helped me a lot and that separates me, I think, from a lot of screenwriters is uh, I started as a playwright. Mm-hmm. And I have a theater degree, right? So I went to theater school. I was trained as an actor, but I also studied the history of, of theater um, academically as well, which is part of our program. So I've just studied the history of storytelling. And most screenwriters don't have that, right? I mean, we studied... Shakespeare and Chekhov and Ibsen and Strindberg 
and Arthur Miller and the Greeks. And, and so anytime there's a sort of contemporary problem, um, I'm always referencing classical plays because people, people will be, they'll reference a TV show from 10 years ago. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, that idea is 3000 years old, right? <laughs> yeah. It's much like my idea. I just pissed you. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. You know, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of knowing the history of literature mm-hmm. and that just happens to be my major. Right. That's my background. So a lot of and I've seen this a lot with younger writers. Um, the reference, the reference points are, are weak. You know, even like I spent five years as a programmer for a pretty prominent festival in Toronto. And around then I was because I was picking feature films from across Canada to be a part of our festival. I was also watching pretty much all the classical films that I could. So I could get a really strong aesthetic sense of what makes a good film and then what do I think makes a good film. And then I would write an analysis of each film that I picked. And that was my favorite part. So I've also like invested the time to watch Gone with the Wind and Chinatown and Citizen Kane and, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I've watched so many of the classical films. I've watched so I've read and seen so many of the classical plays. So when it comes to solving a problem in a television series or a web series or an animation or whatever it is, um, I can just reference like like the best master works of all time. And that's a big advantage over somebody who hasn't even seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And unbelievably, there are a lot of screenwriters mostly in their 20s, who just hadn't seen or read shit. No. That's problem. That is a lot to think about. All right. Just, you know, I'm pretty sure you get this question a lot, too. Infinite amount of funding. Is the script that you want to put out into the world already done? You got it in your archive somewhere? Or what would you write with unlimited backing? Uh, funding does not affect me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you're a really great writer, um, the ideas will trump the budget. So for me, I, I, I never, I never be like, oh, like a lot, a lot of, a lot of, I don't know, writers, directors, whatever people say that all the time. Oh, if I only had the money, if I only had the money. And I'm like, you know what? That is your fucking problem then. Because if you are a really talented writer, you can execute your story in a billion different ways. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. And it, now, remember, I started as a playwright. Most screenwriters don't have that background. A lot do, but many don't. So I've been writing plays that have, you know, been high, best like, reviewed by the best newspapers in Canada, that have been selected across North America to be staged in new york and all this kind of shit and it's like two people in a room talking Mm. so i'm so used to bare bones requirements and having to find character plot story reasons to keep an audience engaged i don't need a fucking realistic looking spaceship to like shit out bunnies (laughs) on on the exploding white house bunnies (laughs) 
to tell the story, you know. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's the first thing that came to you, bunnies, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are those bunnies? You know, but it's cold. It's cold. So I just, so I just type all the time. So, so those bunnies popping out of that couch that you've been fucking <laughs> consensually? Fucking the bunny couch. Consensually, of course. Consensually. I've uploaded the video on YouTube. I can prove it. <laughs> but to answer your question, I mean, look, I think every... I don't think that it's like I'm waiting for the big budget. I mean, I think I have a pretty good track record of of my scripts finding an audience. Yeah. Um, well, kind of... So I'm just constantly challenging myself. Well, really what I meant was like if somebody was like, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to put out there... Here's the money to do it. What, what would you put out there? Is it something that you already written or you haven't written that project yet? Um, I guess I don't really have an answer to that because I have a hundred scripts. <laughs> well, right. just do what you said. You you melt, you melt genres so you can melt all them scripts together and make one big one. <laughs> I'd rather just they just make all of them. To be honest, um, for me, it's more about um, marketing than uh, production. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I already have a bunch of stuff that's already made. Yeah. Um, and so it actually becomes a challenge competing against myself in the marketplace. Um, like, sometimes even I, I go on these podcasts and I don't even know which one to talk about because I've done so many things, right? Yeah. So I think if somebody had unlimited money to support my career... I would ask them to create a more inventive marketing structure than simply production funds for one of my scripts. Okay. Because like you said, it's going to get made regardless, but you just need to get it out there more, right? Yeah. Like, for example, um, obviously Netflix comes up a lot in conversation. Oh, yeah. And I recently referred to Netflix as a remote control, Right. Because Netflix isn't, it's not, I mean, yes, it's brilliant, and, but it's not about the platform. It's the captive audience, right? So really, what makes Netflix stand out is what it recommends. Yeah, that's what you want. Because, I mean, you there's millions right. of things inside of Netflix or whatever that you'll probably never come across of if it doesn't come across that home screen. Right, right. So really... Netflix is just a fucking marketing referral service. Yeah. That's what Netflix is. That's the real power of Netflix. It's cutting through all the white noise. There's never been more films made in the history of the world as right now. There's so many films. Mm -hmm. Good ones, too. There's so many. So how do you stand out in the marketplace amongst so much quality? And a lot of people say, oh, there's so shit. There's so much shit. No, there's not. There's actually a lot of talented people out there. There's a lot of good stuff. But how can you how can you cut through all that white noise and get people to pay attention to you? Mm -hmm. um, that's you, that's the real issue did facing you the industry that, right now, in my did, opinion. Did you see that movie that everybody uh, rant and raving about? Uh, what is I think is Veronica or some shit like that. No. <laughs> Yeah. No, and this is another thing that's interesting, right? It's that, like, there's so much content that, like, there, there, no more is there sort of a shared set of stories, which, which also means values, right? 
that's sort of like coherently tie society together. It's like we're all in our little echo chamber enclaves, um, sort of like curating our own experiences of the world. There's no, like, I remember it used to be like, Friends was on eight o'clock on Thursdays. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody would watch Friends, and then the next day, would say, oh my God, Ross and Rachel, you know, that's gone, that's done. So you've got all this good stuff, but then it's like society's eroding. It's like it's like what are the commonalities keeping us together? Yeah, and that was the thing I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, we're roughly in the same age bracket or whatever. So I mean, we've pretty much seen in our lifetime the evolution of uh, social media and the internet and everything um, uh-huh. from way back when as far as you can remember you know how old are you how old are you um, at the end of the month I will be 36 okay okay I turned 40 in December mm-hmm. so like I said we, we're roughly in the same era yeah yeah, era. yeah sure. <laughs> but like um with how much with the technology has changed and everything, uh, how how has it either made it easier for you to do what you do or has it hampered you from doing what you do? So, I mean, this is the premise of IRL, right? I created um, mm-hmm. this series called IRL, the series. Good setup, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good, brother. Um, and really, it's about that. It's the thesis of how has social media changed the world. So when I refer to it, um, that was my initial question. But I, the thesis now, I think, with the execution is basically how has social media disrupted society, mm-hmm. which I think is more accurate. Look, I think the story of IRL sort of emphasizes um, the answer to your question, right? It's like... IRL was created because I, I literally wrote on Facebook in, the, in this one group in the industry. I was like, I'm bored. Who wants to make a project? Mm-hmm. And I thought five to ten people would say, let's make a short film on Thursday. And then 65 people signed up in 36 hours. <laughs> and then I went, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and in my boldness, I had said, anybody who replies to this thread is guaranteed to be part of the project. Mm -hmm. Not expecting that 65 people would sign up, right? That's a lot of craft services. (laughs) Look, a year and a half later, we were, we we had sold a show to Bell Media, which is the biggest media corporation in Canada. They own like a hundred channels or something crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But that all started, you know, there's there's many reasons why that happened and luck and talent and social media strategy and blah 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 but it really it, the whole genesis of that story is like it started with a Facebook post um, and that's obviously a really good thing about social media I mean there's a lot of people that I worked with and I made some really good relationships and a lot of great opportun- career opportunities came out of essentially randomness I was really bored one day and I literally just spent a second to be like oh let me just post this. Like, what if I didn't do that? What if I was, yeah, that's a stupid idea. It was just a thought. Yeah. You know, you know how we all have like thousands of thoughts a day. Mm-hmm. Right. My one thought was like, Oh, I put You know, it's like, it's interesting too, because it's like, Oh, what if I just asked that girl out for coffee? <laughs> yeah. That could be your wife. Exactly. And, and, and you know, there's, I talked about this on the um, most recent episode that's out now. 
that's how me and my wife met. I seen her picture on the internet. I said hello, and here we are ten years later. <laughs> but right. you know, I I second guess myself at that point in time. I seen it and I was just like I started not to say nothing. You know, but I was just like, fuck it. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you know, and here we are. <laughs> so this is the thing about social media, right? It's like now, I, you know, the randomness of the world scares me because what if Donald Trump goes, what happens if I push this button? You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't want that shit to happen. But this is the sort of precarious balance between sort of, I don't know, outcomes in our society right now. And so social media, although you're right, you're a Facebook post away from creating a show and selling it to television you're also a facebook away a facebook post away from destroying your whole life in one second right Mm -hmm. like i wrote i wrote one facebook post that was five words long about three weeks ago and i got 350 comments in less than 24 hours now you know like like i say i have a pretty good career and a lot of people know who I am, and I do have, you know, quite a lot of Facebook friends and stuff, but nothing nothing like that. Like, that's just stupid. Like, I wrote five words, mm-hmm. and now, the five words I wrote were provocative, but they weren't that provocative. I wrote, political correctness is intellectual cancer. Hmm. And I get it. It's bold, and it could mean many things, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, like, it, w- it was like I pushed that button. And within less than a day, I had I had like some of the most prominent theater critics from Canadian newspapers. I had people who ran funding organizations. I had prominent artists. I had prominent actors. I had academics. And now, partly, it's also like I'm friends with a lot of people who have a lot of status, right? Yeah. So when I, you know, when I get people's attention, it's like I'm getting real attention. It's not like my three friends who I went to grade school with. It's like the fucking industry is paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. But it's scary too, right? So there were a lot of people who were accusing me of being racist and sexist and homophobic. Like they just, they interpreted my five words to mean, oh, like I, you know, yeah. I want, I'm a Holocaust denier or something like yeah. and, crazy and, shit. And that's just weird. And it's I'm just how people interpret what you say, you know? And honestly, it could have really hurt me except for, two reasons number one i'm not white Mm -hmm. i'm half chinese yeah which is significant because in a line when in a line of extrapolations where you have now interpreted my in my political correctness as intellectual cancer to mean now that i'm a racist right and all these things and number two i have run a prominent anti-racism organization for 15 years in canada Right, like, yeah. l- like, literally, I, I've been like a leader for the multicultural community since 2003, and won awards, and published papers. But all of you a know, sudden, so much fi- time, you know, five words fuck you up. <laughs> so when these people came after me, looking for blood, because the mob came after me, because I had won awards, because my last play was called Professionally Ethnic. Because I've been running this organization, because I because I've devoted my life to fighting racism, um, I was able to refute the ridiculous claims that I was racist because I wrote a fucking five word Facebook post. 
if I was not such a prominent anti-racism activist, no and if I was not a person of color, that could have had serious consequences for me. Or if you weren't who you were, nobody would have cared. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, possible too. Because I tell you what, I say five word phrases all the time and nobody gives a shit. I'd rather <laughs> even get a like. <laughs> Hey, anyone wants some fried chicken? You know exactly. <laughs> you motherfucker! I'm hungry. I love fried chicken. Yeah, who who doesn't? Fried chicken is the shit. Oh. Hell yes. Matter of fact, I want some right now. I wish I had some in the kitchen. Uh, damn right, my friend. Yeah, look, I'm sure. Like, I'm, that's a factor too, right? Um, but I'm just saying, like, the social media world is very weird because it's like so much can happen in such a short amount of time. You know, careers can, like, end, like, so quickly. It just doesn't seem like you never, like, oh, social media just totally made this child the president of Nicaragua in, like, two days. <laughs> you know? No, it's, it's like, no, that it's, like, some person, like, said something stupid for a second and it, yeah, whatever they said, I'm sure it was stupid. Like there's something. Think about all the stupid things you ever said or thought. Not even said thought. Yeah, I'm like, doing it right now. <laughs> I think I think like a thousand stupid things every moment. And you just and if you, if you just like just one comes out of your fingers, like if it comes out something stupid, your life could be over. Yeah. You could be fired, you could get broken up with, you could have, you know, it could get retweeted by the wrong, you know, it, you know, it could be proof that you are now a member. I had people saying that I was part of the alt-right. Okay. To which I responded, yeah, I'm the first Chinese-Italian alt-right member in the history of, you, of the world. <laughs> well, let me tell you a funny story. I got um, uh, my Zodiac sign on my on the back of my arm. Uh, is I'm an Aries, so okay. I had somebody, um, a Caucasian man, accuse me, a black guy, of being part of the Aryan Brotherhood. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Aries, you're one of us. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, Have you ever seen that Chappelle show sketch? Exactly. <laughs> The black white supremacists. <laughs> Fucking gold. Gold. <laughs> Show us your face. <laughs> gold, man. But this is it, you know, it's like people are crazy now and and it's like it's like I feel like there's a whole bunch of people who are looking for fight. Mm-hmm. Like they go on these platforms to fight. Like not most people I think are just normal people. But there's a there's like some fucking people. They're there to cause problems. I don't even know if they're doing it consciously, mm-hmm. but they are doing it because I see the same people getting in flame wars and starting shit with people like all the time. I don't know, man. It's just like, you know, and there's consequences. Th- there's, there's like, I don't know. People are just like feeding off of misery or some shit. It's just like, there's hardly ever anything of merit of good intent published anywhere it's just oh, motherfucker died here this motherfucker she got shot over here this motherfucker burning crosses over here it's just like nothing positive yeah it's a real problem I don't even watch the news anymore 
And it's like, and I, but I do feel like people are looking for, like, for example, Black Panther, mm-hmm. fucking great, right? Like, like I was so happy that that film was good, partly just as a fan of cinema, and partly as as like a like an anti-racism activist, as a, as a person of color, to be like, yo, like they stepped up, and that shit was dope, mm-hmm. like irrefutably by any measure, that was a fantastic film that's a fucking action movie that i think should be nominated for many oscars and and not just in the like special effects categories right Mm -hmm. that's history that's history and then you go on facebook and then there's people just like complaining yeah about like oh like why do black people have to like put it in our faces and shit like that and i was like what do you mean? What is this? <laughs> what is this? What and is this just saying? people or like? Because I, I never heard, I never not heard anyone complain. Well, I have not heard anyone complain about the Hobbit, Harry Potter, none of the right. motherfucking movies. <laughs> and you know what I think? And again, it's not fair to say oh, it was like like white people think this way. It's only a certain. It's like certain, like a vocal minority, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe they, there's some people who are probably even black who are criticizing it for whatever reason. I, I don't know. But for the most part, like criticisms I heard were from certain people in the in the white community, and it's because it was fucking good. Yeah, it was a good movie. I mean, despite it being all black cast, I just thought it was a good ass movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. like honestly, like you, put, I, I, it doesn't fucking matter. Honestly, if if, if the movie sucked, I would say it. I thought just because there's a bunch of black people in the movie's gonna be good. Yeah, <laughs> but it was so fucking good, and it was like not only was it good, or even good enough, that shit was way better than any action movie I'd seen in many many years. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like the last movie that was like sort of in that genre that I really loved. Now a lot of people didn't love it, but I loved it. Was Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked it because I liked how political it was. I liked that it was different. Like I'm a prompt, like a screenwriter, right? So I like that you can take the genre and put a different spin on it. And that's what Black Panther did. I thought it transcended the genre. So it's not just... That was the first time that I'd ever watched an action movie and went, oh, you could nominate that for for like best original screen... Well, maybe, I guess best adapted screenplay or whatever. Yeah. And then, I mean, the action wasn't even really the best parts of the movie. <laughs> no, but the action was still dope. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really interesting story. Yeah, so, but that's it, right? So if you're kind of like against black people, then that's going to piss you off even more. Mm-hmm. People just have a problem. I said, we all the same. <laughs> so I've been saying for a long time. Yep. Well, on that note, uh, you have anything else that you want to throw out there into the atmosphere, sir, before we ride off into that good night? Uh, I guess, you know, my closing thoughts saying all this stuff is that I think it's really sad that people are using social media to spout off all this hate and negativity and fucking bullshit because... We could do so many good things with it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good people out there. There's more good people than bad people. There are bad people, but there are way more good people. 
But for whatever reason, the fucking bad people just won't shut the fuck up. I wish we can have a bad people convention and have Trump accidentally sit on that button and shoot that missile where they are. <laughs> yeah, you know, but again, like, I don't think it's violence. Violence not the answer, right? It's 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 like, you know, like I hate Donald Trump. I hate everything that he stands for. But as a human being, I still believe there is a good person inside everyone. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not true in his case. I don't know. But I just think that as soon as we give up on people, we that lost. is the problem. Yeah, we lost, man. So I just, you know, I'm all about love and like quality and just hoping that as a society, we can find a way to just support each other and, and just stop all the fucking tension and the fighting and the negativity because it gets us nowhere and it's all bullshit anyway. Yeah. So you're in front of your computer right now. You're about to type a five word post on your Facebook wall. What's it going to be? I want some fried chicken. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah, baby. All right, man. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Best ways on Twitter at Bobman. Um, anyone who wants to follow me on Instagram? It's at Bobby Del Rio. Um, I'm on Facebook too, and I approve anyone. So add me there. But you cause problems, I'll, I'll just unfriend your ass. So. Man, I love it. I want some fucking fried chicken. <laughs> I do. I want some fried chicken <laughs> so badly. But that's seven words. But hey, whatever. I want it. It made me happy. That's <laughs> what I. That's what I aim to do, my brother. All right. Well, man, it's been a pleasure to hear you talk about everything and anything, and I appreciate you giving me your time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, too. All right, and I'll catch you down the road, sir. Yeah, man. And you're damn right. I do want some fried chicken. (laughs) That was the fantabulous Bobby Del Rio. It's easy to just get caught up in the storytelling and everything you know you just ask him a simple question and he just takes it all over the globe and back and um i wanted to play some voicemails uh, from hoppy rogers for him but you know i was just into what we was talking about and i kind of forgot about it you know so hoppy messing around and got himself banned on twitter but um now he's back and uh, you can find him as a Lord Hop of India. <laughs> Long story, but you can follow Hoppy Rogers now at Lord Hop of India. So give him a follow, replenish his numbers, help him get back his Twitter status. And, uh, you know, I'm going to leave here um, after I do my sign off a voicemail from Hoppy Rogers, you know, because this is a platform for everybody to say what they want to say, do what they want to do, play how they want to play. This sound like that Ghostbuster song <laughs> that Hammer made. <laughs> but anyway, you can find me on Twitter at It's B-Rob. That's I-T-S-B-R-O-B. And did I say Ghostbuster song by MC Hammer? I meant the Adams Family song by MC Hammer. 
So follow the show on Twitter at 3RShow. Um, you can go to randomrobcast.com and find out different ways that you can help support the show. You can um, buy merchandise. You can use my Amazon links. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I don't know how that's going to help uh, produce money for the show, but maybe if you get enough likes and views on my Instagram posts, that might help out monetarily. But all in all, it's just that the most important thing that you can do for anybody. Man, this music is throwing me off. <laughs> uh, the, the most important thing that you can do for any podcaster, uh, anybody that puts out you know, any kind of social media for the world to enjoy is to, you know, give it a listen, give it a like, give it a follow, subscribe, tell a friend, just do something to support the cause. And all that stuff is free. Unless it's a movie that's in theaters, then you have to pay for that. Or also, unless you have movie pass and then you're kind of not paying for it. So it's, it's a complicated thing here. And now I'm watching the Adams family, MC Hammer, music video right now as I do this <laughs> also Random Realms of Rob is sponsored by Hooks Rubs and Spices you can find them on Etsy.com just type in Hooks Rubs and Spices if you make an order of $6 or more you can get 10% off by using the promo code 3R show just much like the, the Twitter handle there 3R show so do those things. Uh, give me some herbs and spices in my Christmas stocking this year. And um, once, like I said before, we got a voicemail that's going to take us out of here with Hoppy Rogers. And I'll see you next time. I just, uh, you can save this voicemail till later. I just needed to call and get this off my chest uh, while I was freshly thinking about it. But, uh, and, you know, I wanted to call a veteran. You know, I thought about calling back over ALB, and I ain't, I ain't got no beef at all, and I ain't upset in the least or nothing. I just wanted to, to talk about, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, kind of making, I don't know, everybody's laughing about Anthony and his legs and all that, but, uh, I think I may have quickly told this story before, but, you know, Anthony, he was in Go War One and, uh, Bosnia and Go War Two and Go War Two, like, he was a tank, he's always been a tanker, you know, and, uh, He's done some fucked up shit. I ain't got time to get into all these stories. It's probably going to be a two or three voicemail. Anywho, uh, he's, he's a great man. And, uh, it saddens me the way our country treats our veterans. And, um, I mean, he, he fought three wars for us, man. Three. Not one. Not two. Three. And I know, you know, people have opinions about the wars that we get in and all that on the other side of the world. And, you know, nobody's attacked us domestically since Japan, um, and all that. But that's, that's uh that's upper level shit. You know, we're talking about guys that signed up to protect the country and followed orders and did what they had to do, you know what I'm saying? And uh he the only way you can really fuck with one of our tanks is uh blow a tread off of it. And uh it's immobile. You know, you can't there's nothing that then people over there got the fucks with our tanks and uh even their own tanks. So uh they they uh, RPG'd the tread that he was in, and uh, I guess when they opened the hatch, uh, it makes it, you know, vulnerable. And somebody threw an IED or a grenade or, you know, I don't remember exactly. I don't even know. He knows exactly what it was, but uh, threw an explosive into the tank, and, and it blew up. <clears throat> and uh, tanks got different compartments, 
and you got to wait on the turret, you know, the top part to spin, to, to spin so its hole lines up with your hole so you can get out. And uh, this man's down in there burning, you know. it's He's on fire. And uh, he's waiting on this goddamn thing to spin so he can get out. And uh, I, mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, it, it takes forever to wait 30 seconds on a microwave. To wait on that thing to spin around must have been hell, literally. And, uh, you know, they never, they told him he wouldn't walk. He's walking. They told him, uh, you know, he, they'd have to lose his legs. He, he's got his legs. He's walking. But, uh... But, you know, after after they use your body, they really don't give a fuck about you no more. And the VA is a goddamn joke. So, it's a miracle he got back to walking. And when I met Anthony, uh, I'm a baker for everybody that don't know. I've been baking for a long time. Pastry chef. I'm uh, debatably one of the top five bakers in Kentucky. But, uh, I was working at a bakery in Lexington. And he was working at a shell station I got my coffee from every morning. And we got to talking all the time. And, you know, uh found out we lived right next door to each other basically and started hanging out in the afternoon playing video games and whatnot and drinking together and he's a real bad alcoholic you know and i like to drink and stuff but you know i can take days off and i'll get the shakes and you know what the fuck some most nights i just drink two or three but uh he was for real for real and uh he, it's just sad to me that somebody does all that for the country and end up working at a gas station. And then as time went on, you know, I had my hard spot too in 2015, but he ended up homeless and he, he drinks so bad he loses his jobs and such. And, uh, you know, last I knew Anthony was homeless and, uh, you know, I've, I've always told him you can stay with me if you quit drinking. Cause he's, you know, there's people out there that get drunk and they're funny or people that get drunk and they just kind of mind their own business and go pass out and all this. And, I love Anthony. He's one of my best buddies and I lived in Lexington for five years, but he uh he's one of those people when he gets drunk you just can't handle him, man. He's he's too loud, too obnoxious, too up in everything. It's I mean it, it's a it's sad, you know, and I know he's just kinda acting out to deal with what happened with him and all this and uh, what's pent up inside him and it it depresses me, man, because, you know, I don't, I don't know where he's at. I haven't, since I went home was I, in Louisville, I, which is about an hour and a half from where he is, I haven't, haven't heard from him or spoken with him, and I don't know how in the hell I, I doubt we'll ever see each other again, you know? Because, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it hurts me, man. But, uh, I just, you know, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit, because, I don't have no ill will against anybody that laughs. You know, we're all on podcasts to have fun and joke and all that. And I joke about fucked up shit myself. You know, I do. Uh, sometimes I cross the line a little bit, and I appreciate y'all not hating me for that, too. But uh maybe it's just all of us dealing with this fucked up world. And, you know, that that's the only way maybe to deal with it and cope sometimes is to make light, you know. And that's me, too. Love y'all. is coming straight to your ears a podcast network that's changing gears bringing fresh funky pods with a fresh funky beat a family of pods that are bringing the heat there ain't no stopping us keep coming back to us sick ass pods that'll make you hush www.hushyourface www.hushyourface www.hushyourface.com